0: The Declutter Effect.
1: Today is actually very special for Carl and myself. Carl, I'm just so glad because we have somebody on the show who, I don't want to be too gushy, (laughs) but this is somebody that personally, on many levels, I really admire and respect. Not even because of what he's accomplished, and he's a very accomplished man, but on just different levels and different aspects of his life. I admire him for his life's work. I admire him for the father that he is. I admire him for the businessman that he is and also for his very generous heart and the way he applies his faith into everyday life. So I'm just so glad to have our first guest for The Declutter Effect, none other than the one, the only <laughs> Doctor Dumfren. Welcome to the show.
0: <laughs> wow, that's so nice. I'll pay you later for that.
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but not really I'm just kidding. I didn't even practice that, though, but like, but I, like, I feel for you, Chloe. Um, we're just very honored. <laughs> honored doesn't even cover it, but we're very grateful. Not just as a client, but you know, we consider you as like a mentor from afar that has become not just a client but a beloved family member if you even accept that and then every yeah. member of team the
0: clutter <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel the you. same yeah thank you so much i feel the same you guys are definitely family You've been collaborating for over a year now right
1: no for... it's, been yeah. years, yeah, it's been two years though
0: two years wow yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. We're and have en- enjoyed the journey together. And so it's been great. Thank you. I'm
1: glad. We're very glad awesome. that you're enjoying it. <laughs> and us as well. It's been a pleasant journey so far and long way to go.
0: Yeah. And congratulations on this uh, new podcast of yours. It's amazing.
1: Thank you. And yes. fun fact, this podcast was born after we guested on your show, <laughs> right? It's a <laughs> great idea because he was very electrified by that interview with you and Paul, mm-hmm. yeah. this History.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very handful of questions that we would like to ask because mm-hmm. you as a person is very interesting. And if there is one true influencer, I think it's uh-huh. you. A lot of people. True influencer uh-huh. in, his, in, in the best kind of sense. Yes, I agree. <laughs> well said. Yeah, so I just want the audience to know how vast your influence is. And from what I research about you, Doc, you serve on several advisory boards. And you are a board of director and helped found several companies ranging from healthcare to e-commerce. Yeah. So can you tell me more about that? Because it's quite a range of industry from healthcare to e-commerce. I mean, there's so much going on for you.
0: Yeah, it's pretty simple. I just don't take my ADD medications. <laughs> so,
1: so All right.
0: So my brain yeah. goes different directions. I just don't <laughs> take the meds. And so, yeah, I've always been, uh, I suppose, uh, always been a entrepreneurial minded. And it's just been a process where I look at life and I look at problems to be solved mm-hmm. and gaps in solutions. Yeah and I think about those things uh, quite a bit and if possible I try to help I guess fill gaps in the issues uh-huh. in life and a lot of the, a lot of those gap fillings end up to be corporations and uh, things of that sort but it's uh, yeah that's always been kind of the mindset with that but it's not all, in my mind work related it's just doing things that you know I have a passion for and doing things that mm-hmm. I see purpose Uh, A lot of it is just purpose and passion and following those things. It's Uh, funny that
1: you said that, though, because those were the exact words that we talked about in one of our episodes. And we're going to link that in the show notes. But magic happens when passion meets purpose. And that is actually very evident in you, Dr. Chen. And just that little joke that you said Mm -hmm. earlier. thats One of the things that I also love about Dr. Chen is he doesn't really take himself. So seriously, but honestly, to what you said, very influential Mm. in the field of Alzheimer's, charity work, like nonprofits, all over the place in the best sense. (laughs) You're everywhere, (laughs) that's what (laughs) I mean. There's this one interesting aspect of your life that I want to personally ask. It's because uh, you are a minority coming in in the U.S. at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And are you familiar with Dr. Trinh's background? He did tell me his story in one of our meetings, like a year or so ago, yeah. And uh, reflecting on your 1st experience after being rescued by a U.S. helicopter a day before the fall of Saigon yeah. during the U.S.-Vietnam War, that must be a traumatic experience for you as a young kid.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an experience that one doesn't forget. I was five years old. And it was a long time ago. The war ended on April 30th, 1975. And a day before, on April 29th, I remember being on the tarmac of the airport in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. It uh, it wasn't inside the airport where I were on the runway. And I remember being with a lot of other Vietnamese uh, refugees. It was very um, loud, confusing, noisy. People were yelling and screaming. Wow. I was with my siblings. I was the oldest at five. I had a sister who's three years old, another sister who's two years old, and a brother who was three months old. And our mom was with us. We could hear like shooting and bombing and all that. And because it was a day before the end, and it was a gray day, kind of like this today kind of a little drizzly. Mm -hmm. Uh, We knew that something was happening because there's a lot of shooting and all that. Although I was only five, it was, uh, yeah, just crazy experience growing up. But we saw these big black helicopters. They're called Chinook helicopters. They have like two different rotors and they would land several hundred feet in front of us. The back of the helicopter would go down, people would run in and the helicopter would take off. The helicopter were really loud because, I don't know you've been close to a helicopter, super loud. We had no earring protection. Wow. It uh, so very windy from the rotors overhead, super windy. And these helicopters would land, people would run in, then they would take off. Another one would land. And eventually, there was a big black helicopter that landed probably about maybe 200 feet away from us, super windy, super loud. The back would go down. And... We were told that it was our time to run uh, into the helicopter. So so I grabbed my sister's hand. She was three years old. And then mom had my other two siblings in both hands, my two-year-old sister and my three-month-old brother. And we ran toward the back of this helicopter, and the ramp was down. And I was one of the first that got in. But I saw like a serviceman on the right side with his helicopter helmet. He had a pistol, And then there was two rows of seats, and uh, I ran in and sat on the left side, sat down, buckled up. And it was really the first time where I felt some kind of, even as a five-year-old kid, I felt some kind of hope. It was weird because I kind of knew that, you know, we were leaving everything behind. And my only memory of as a five-year-old kid was I remember growing up with grandma. My grandma raised me because my parents moved around a lot during work, but Remember a lot about the war, sleeping underneath our beds rather than on top of our beds. Because at night, uh, you look outside the window, there's flashes of light. And you knew that there was a battle going on. And so we're always afraid like the roof would fall down. Uh like Some mortar would hit the roof and the house would collapse. So yeah, we spent a lot of nights underneath our beds. And then there are certain days where we would, or at nighttime, where we would hear like the enemy patrolling outside the guerrillas. We called them Viet Cong. So we would go and we would, you know, huddle into a bedroom and hide, hope they don't come in. I remember being interrogated by the Viet Cong one time. uh, Wow. Yeah, as a five-year-old kid, because my uncle was a high-ranking military commander. He was a colonel in the uh, South Vietnamese Navy SEALs back Mm -hmm. then. And so every time he would come and visit us and then he would leave, The Viet Cong would come and ask us questions like, where's he going? What are his plans? Mm. They're trying to get information, right, about the war and even being, you know, interrogated by that time. So that's kind of my memory of Vietnam. A lot of it was the war. And I guess so when I sat down in that helicopter, I finally felt peaceful because we were leaving. Mm. And the helicopter took off and it flew over the ocean and it landed on an aircraft carrier which is now an hour and a half away from me. The aircraft carriers decommissioned the USS Midway. and It was a journey. And I guess that journey can either make you traumatic in a negative way mm. or maybe traumatic in a positive way. Right? Wow.
1: Saying that to so, make you stronger.
0: Though. Yeah. It was like maybe a second chance for life. Although I was only a five-year-old kid. It's not <laughs> like I had a first chance. <laughs> 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 but, uh, <laughs> But I think that journey and that upbringing kind of gave us a certain outlook and personality to persevere and to try to, you know, Mm -hmm. to succeed in life. And that's kind of our upbringing. It's also a journey that led me to God because, you know, I grew up Buddhist. Nothing wrong necessarily with that. But my family's Buddhist. My mother's a Buddhist nun. My grandma's a Buddhist nun. My uncle's a Buddhist monk. But it's a journey that also led me to faith, I suppose, and in a personal, you know, Creator and God. So it's kind of helped direct it a lot of my life and my decisions with life.
1: Yeah, I love how <laughs> you told it in amazing details. It is as if we were there. Yes, I was While about you to say were that. Telling the story. You do see, you know, war stories and sometimes it feels like just a historical footnote, Mm. but to hear it from someone firsthand for him to come out with this amazing life that he has now. It kind of bookends that story beautifully. Mm. I mean, not a lot of people that came out of that or had this, you know, faith. But faith like in what happened to them. But yes, Doug, just thank you for sharing that for taking us um, yeah. Trip down memory but very you know <laughs> <laughs> not tr- not historic, but you know it's inspiring. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Historical, to say the least. Yes. <laughs> I like how he described that when he is in the helicopter, there is a feeling of peace and hope and being safe. But it's amazing that a five-year-old can articulate distinguish yes. yeah. that. Thank you. Thank so you, yeah, can you confidently say that that? Because of those experiences that you have in the past, helped you to where you are right now?
0: I believe so. Yeah. I mean, we're all products of our history, right? We're all products of our experiences, whether we're an optimist, a pessimist, whether we like certain colors or fear certain things. A lot of it stems from experiences in life, and those experiences in life create, a I guess a certain mindset of how we make our decisions and live life. And so sometimes I guess for me, I was lucky in that these experiences have not made me you know depressed, suicidal, or on the negative side. Yeah, it's uh, helped in other ways. But really the best aspect of this is that it led me to God, led me to having that personal faith, that personal relationship in a creator who loves me who uh allowed me to be rescued as a child and because of that there's purpose right this purpose is like why am i here right why are we all here we're all here and we're all still alive today because there's a purpose for me today in whatever today's agenda is that and same for you right what is your plan for me today lord and you know what do you have in store who do you want me to meet what uh either good events or adversities that you want to pave in my way. And if the events are not good, what do you want me to learn from it? And so, yeah, I think my faith leads everything. And in the end, right, it's really our loved ones, our friends, our family, and our deathbed. Mm -hmm. It's not accumulation of things or materialism that burns after you're dead, right? I think that drives the purpose and the passion. There's three P's: purpose, passion, and the third P as an entrepreneur is profits.
1: Profit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see prosperity. That's, that's perfect. But,
0: but the profits has to come last because it drives and it funds the purpose and the passion. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and just everything you said from the years that I've known you, I know
0: that's
1: the really truth. So I can attest to that. Uh, (laughs) Now I have a better understanding what drives you, Uh, because from what I have seen, you're leading teams of physicians, dentists, you have leading nurses with you, and high school students to third world countries, including Vietnam, Peru, Haiti, and Mexico, and you're providing free medical care.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a medical missionary, and it's just a way to give back. From the blessings that God has blessed us with. We're just taking our toolkits, uh, what we've learned, our skill sets. For me, it's medicine and going back because I was once somebody who needed help, right, as a kid. And the funny thing is we always go to orphanages around the world, whether it's in Haiti, Peru, mm-hmm. Vietnam, or, or even Mexico on a yearly basis. We always drop by orphanages. We love the kids. There's always arts and crafts and events that we would do uh, with them. And it's always struck me like, huh, I'm always going back to orphanages and there must be something subconscious about it. Yeah. Other than the Uh fact that I I like children and, you know, I like having fun with the kids and they paint my toenails and things of that sort. Uh You know, we do a lot of health stuff with them. But it's dawned on me that, you know, the subconscious thing is that my father actually grew up in an orphanage. Wow. Yeah. Somewhat
1: connected. When, Very Oh, <laughs> Always
0: connected. Yeah, my dad grew up in the orphanage. And when he was a young child, his father or my grandfather died at an early age in his 30s. And his mother, who my grandmother, was not able to afford to take care of five kids. Right. She has five children. Mm-hmm. And so four boys and one girl. And so all the four boys went to live in the orphanages and grew up there. And I'm like, wow, this is probably the connection, right? Mm -hmm. I love my dad. I respect him a lot. And I knew that he was rescued at an orphanage and grew up there. And as a result of that, we're always back. It's like, you know, your activities are always connected to your past, right? And most of it is subconscious. You don't think about it. But yeah, it's uh, being a medical missionary is really something that I think the core of what I love to do uh, with the medicine toolkit that I have. Mm-hmm. And I love to take our students back. Uh, usually half of our teams is students. They're high school students or college students that we take back to other countries. And it's not because they have medical skills or anything of that sort, but I think mm-hmm. most of us who travel as medical missionaries, we hope to go back to somehow you know, help another child, help somebody who's mm-hmm. blind or who's a widow, or who's a patient with leprosy, right? A lot of those events we do. We assume that we want to go back and change lives. Mm. But I think the life that changes most is the volunteer. Wow. And and that's one of the reasons why I love to take students because our students come back from these trips and they're like, wow, you know, I'm only 16, I'm only 17, I'm 18, but I realized I can make a difference in another life. And as a result of that, they come back with me to other countries. And so a lot of my students have been with me to like three, four different countries before they're, you know, age 20. (laughs) And many of them are now, you know, they're doctors, they're nurses. Because of their experiences with us, they've continued on to medical careers and different things of that sort with the right perspective and with the right heart. And so that's probably my biggest satisfaction is seeing my own students from tongue out, right? We come youth ambassadors, right? Tongue out youth ambassadors. Our own students' lives get changed, and seeing uh, how these trips uh, affect them in that way—it's really neat. Really neat to see that. <laughs>
1: and isn't there like a saying that goes, "The greatest miracle was for the person who's changing." What's this? How how does mm-hmm. that go? We'll look it up, but it's something uh-huh. like that. Like that's the greatest miracle. Is- it's inspiring in the sense that it's very natural for you to help other people for a fact that we need to decentralize our intent to self-preserve. Mm. It's like forcing yourself or you have to be intentional when it comes to giving back to other people. But with you, doc, based on your stories, I think it's very natural for you to help and to think of others first before yourself. And it's the reason why I think your influence will reach a lot of people now. Before that, I'm going to say something a bit controversial. I hope I don't get canceled. Oh, yes, we can edit this. <laughs> yes, that's the beauty of editing. But it's very refreshing for people to have to be you know, around people like Dr. Jim because sadly, the generation nowadays, people are more individualistic and it's actually kind of counterintuitive. To be as giving and as selfless as you are. So, I do hope that you'll be able to influence and inspire more people to be just like you because there's only one Dr. Trent, but we need more doctors in the world. <laughs> I think for those people who are close to him, we'll have that kind of passion. Yes, yeah. especially the youth ambassadors of somehow. And it's because Dr. Trin is very contagious. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's so, far, it's so far reaching that <laughs> it is felt here in the <laughs> Philippines. Contagious is the best sense, okay? Not, Pandemic. Not like a virus. Pandemic <laughs>
0: contagious. Yeah. contagious.
1: That's a wrap. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Team Declutter, signing off. Take care, stay curious, and bye for now.